This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Dennis Slater, President of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with AEM's Dennis Slater, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 300 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. After enduring a downturn of the U.S. farm economy, equipment manufacturers had begun to see areas of improvement in demand from farmers and industry. Dennis Slater, president of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, says the COVID-19 pandemic has changed all that. Coming into this year and talking to our manufacturers, they had looked at, you can almost call it a fragile recovery. You know, the issues that we were dealing with, which all seems so small right now, but, you know, the issues with these, the steel tariffs and the trade tariffs that were out there and the trade wars going on, it started to impact the agricultural markets. You know, we were sitting there for the last year and a half campaigning about really hurting what we felt was a very fragile recovery for the agriculture industry and the ag equipment industry. Finally, I think we were seeing right at the end of the tunnel that we have a good, robust market again, but we hadn't gotten there yet, so... That was where we were teeing things up as we enter into, you know, what is now the COVID-19 event, which has basically erased any of the good feeling about where we were going. American Farm Bureau most recently offered an analysis. They looked at the last 30 days. Dairy prices off 26 to 36 percent. Corn futures down 14 percent. Soybeans down 8. Cotton down 31. Hog down 31 percent as well. Cattle returns down 25 percent. From a sales standpoint, do you think the CV-19 event has been realized yet by equipment manufacturers? I think it has, and it's coming on quite quickly. So we had a meeting on our board two weeks ago, and in talking to the companies, their biggest problem was the uncertainty about being an essential business. They wanted to make sure they could keep me running. And they felt pretty good about the orders they had coming in and the prospects for business. Roll the clock forward two weeks, and now you start to see the announcement by companies out there about what they're dealing with. Some of it is safety issues, but some of it's demand issues. So several manufacturers announcing you know, some closings, a lot of them are done because of what they're doing with the pandemic, but also just their sheer demand that's out there for their product. So, yeah, you know, the whole demand side is starting to play out very quickly with this. And, and I think that is the area, I think, overall, over time, that's going to be the biggest struggle for us. Even as we come out of this pandemic, how will we recover as restaurants don't reopen right away and people don't go back to their daily business? So if commodity prices stay down at the marks that we're talking about right here, how would you anticipate that would affect the equipment manufacturers for the balance of 20 and into 21? First of all, in the early part of this, you know, it's the spring, we're planting, you know, we're moving forward here. So, you know, from that side of it, our manufacturers in agriculture are doing a little better than the construction side of the business where, you know, right now, what contractor needs to buy equipment when they're not sure what their next jobs are going to be. So... 
in the short term, I think you're still in a decent position here with equipment. But on the longer term, as the commodity prices are down, you know, and farm income goes down, where are the prospects here for why they would be buying new equipment for that? So it really plays the longer term throughout the year. It really dampens any prospects of no longer even a recovery, but trying to sustain sales out there. As you suggested earlier, agriculture was listed as essential, but how are the companies handling the social distancing challenges during this pandemic, and, and are all plants open, and are they operating? Yeah, it's funny you mention that, because it's really where AEM comes into play now. It's like we as an organization provide, you know, help our companies do business. We support them on Capitol Hill. We do a lot of things, but our whole attention is shifted to how do we help them to this crisis. So, you know, what we've been working with in support is one of the areas is on the advocacy side is working with the, you know, the administration and government about making sure our businesses stay safe, but also making sure they can stay open and be an essential business for that. So that whole area of designating an essential business is really important with that. But we're also out there working with best practices. You know, what are some guides and toolkits out there that they can have a safe operation in their, in their facilities? And then if they do have a case, a positive case, how they can react to that and keep going forward. So our role has changed completely in what we do as an organization to help them right now. Not all the plants have been able to stay open, have they? No, they haven't. But I think a lot of that has to do with, with this year's demand and also their supply chain. You, know, you have a lot of announcements throughout Europe of factories shutting down. Well, if your supply chain is through Europe, which every company has parts of their components coming through there, Obviously, right now, then there's no reason to really stay open. You can't. COVID-19 has reduced fuel demand. It's reduced crude prices. It's reduced demand for ethanol. And that, in turn, is affecting the demand for corn in the country. Some ethanol plants have slowed. Others have idled operation. AEM joined some other agriculture and industry groups appealing to Washington to help. Can you explain your involvement? Yeah, it's like any other part of the industries that are facing you know, problems right now is as you look to put stimulus back in there to keep businesses going, but they have to understand that, that the farmer with the ethanol side of this is hugely exposed to what's going on here. And without some protection in that area there, it's going to be very hard, first of all, keeping the ethanol plants going. And you look at the, the next couple of months or two, I do not see those prices for oil improving. So it's really an area that we look as advocates here to say, talk to the government and say, hey, remember, as people are out of work and if there's health safety issues, there's a huge issue here about demand for products, including ethanol out there, that is really going to devastate an industry. Mr. Slater, are there other economic supports that AEM is lobbying for and would like to see from Washington, whether specific to agriculture or overall? Yeah, I think it goes into several areas. One is the small business side of this, too. So, you know, so many, we have a thousand plus members, but once you get past the first 50 or 60 of those, those companies get small really quickly. You know, and they face bigger issues, I think, here of, of sustaining their businesses, you know, about keeping their people employed and getting loans that they can go through this. So a lot of it's the attention to the small business out there to make, their, make sure they can keep on going. And many of them are the biggest employer in their communities. So a lot of our work here is really working with the small business side of this to make sure they can keep on going, but also to recognize that in the stimulus that's out there, what are things that can help demand again out there too? So, you know, here's a great moment for infrastructure that right now we could look at this and say, it's just time to move infrastructure forward. That's an investment we've talked about over and over again, or maybe part of a stimulus in the future here would be about the infrastructure of this country. 
and, you know, rebuilding the roads, the ports, the dams, helping our farmers get their product to market as inexpensively as possible and as quickly as possible. So there's a moment here where we have to also look at that long-term plan about how we come out of this. Because it's going to take time to come out of this. Even after the pandemic is over, the demand will still not be out there for products. And, and areas like ethanol and oil prices and restaurants reopening and consumer spending, it's going to take a long time to do this. So a part of our effort here is to help look at what we can do to invest in this country to help us get out of this. Well, no sooner had Phase 3 been resolved did the president start to talk about Phase 4 and actually talking about an infrastructure plan and used the, the digits, I believe, $2 trillion. Uh, the Speaker of the House at the same time also suggested that in Phase 4 uh, she would like to see some things for nutrition but would also very much like to see an investment in infrastructure. The President suggested with interest rates as low as they are, now's the time to write that check. So let's dive a little bit further into infrastructure with regard to, to your industry. What are the things that you absolutely see as crucial to help the equipment manufacturers and your customers? I think it's about helping the U.S. economy and helping us be a competitive nation. Because without a good infrastructure, we really don't compete in the world marketplace, which we have to. So you know, we look at it as a bigger picture than just us. And right now, I think our worry is that you hear this conversation every couple of months about the need for infrastructure. So we know the need. To me, the need and the timing of stimulus right now go together really well. So I think that's the main message we're trying to deliver out there. And to make them also understand that we're a pretty big industry as manufacturers of equipment. You know, 2.8 million jobs are from our industry. And right now, many of those jobs are in jeopardy. Some are already on furlough. You know, we want to get that part of the you know, the industry going again so we can help stimulate this economy. And also, the jobs that we represent are very high-paying jobs, probably 35% above an industry average out there. So trying to show is there's a need, there's the importance of this industry in helping to get this country going again, and to recognize this kind of stimulus is investment into something that will produce something good for the nation. It's not just throwing money out there. hard thing with this is, you know, our, our Congress, this is a hard time doing big things. There's only skepticism when it comes to infrastructure. We all talk about need. We all do that. When it comes down to approving money to do it, I just haven't seen that happen. I think maybe now, with what we're dealing with here, with the pandemic and the need for stimulus, I think this is a really important time, really, for us to engage in this. When we were talking about infrastructure and some conversations leading up to where we are today, some had talked about the aesthetics of airports and the aesthetics of other things, and others were talking about doing dredging and building uh, bridges and roads and upgrading the locks and dams. Clearly, there's a, a, a varied description of infrastructure. I would have to believe yours is more practical. Yeah, we're looking at it is really to me what will help this country be more competitive. So when the farmer plant, you know, is ready to harvest and take the pot to the market, well, you know what, if the rail system or the road system isn't up to par and the ports and the locks aren't really ready to deal with this, it costs them more time and money to really deliver their product to the point where they may not be competitive. So the longer we wait for this, the worse this is going to be. So... I look at this as saying, boy, here's a moment in time where we should really help this infrastructure need and at the same time help us out of what is going to be a recession here. AM is calling on Washington to develop and implement a comprehensive national initiative for manufacturing. 
What do you hope to accomplish with this National Institute of Manufacturing at a chief manufacturing officer? I think it's bringing ideas together. So to me, when you look at things, you, you, can't, you can't achieve a plan unless you have goals, right? So if you have a national manufacturing initiative here, I think that what it does is it brings the ideas together of what we're doing. I think that is the important part of what we're talking about here. It's let's get all the ideas from manufacturing together, bring it underneath a single organization, the manufacturing czar, whatever it would be, and then move forward, move forward with that, you know, and say this is what we really need to do. So when I first read the press release, I thought, why would AEM support something that would invite more government involvement? And then as I read deeper, I thought about the food safety uh, issue here in the country, that USDA has a role and FDA plays a role. And there's a whole host of agencies that are responsible for food safety, and it gets convoluted when it's divided against so many people and so many decision makers. Yeah, it brings focus, really. You know, a national manufacturing strategy really looks at it and says, let's talk about how we can best innovate. Let's look at best practices. Let's compare notes on what we're doing. Instead of small little pockets of innovation and ideas, all throughout the country, and then none of those really have any impact they could. And I think it does call to the effect to me how important manufacturing really is here, and that this coming election in 2020 is a lot of it's going to be about manufacturing and jobs for that same reason. So would this particular individual and this particular agency, how would they work with labor and those who are employed at your plants? Yeah, I think in the end, I think they would be very supportive of this because in the end, we're looking at preserving and investing in, in manufacturing jobs. And they also, I think labor has an idea here they want to protect those jobs. So they have ideas too on how we want to, uh, how we want to innovate with this. We look at like infrastructure discussion. Our best partners in what we do with infrastructure really becomes, you know, a lot of the labor groups out there that are with us. So they do recognize the investment in doing things. So I don't think there's a conflict in who would be supportive of this. It's just more about trying to bring a focus to an idea of a national strategy being better than a bunch of pockets of information going out there by separate organizations. With a view now to the fall election, I understand you've got a bus tour scheduled for this summer. What do you hope to accomplish with the 50-plus stops that have been scheduled along the way? You know, this is an area here where... We learned long ago when you work on advocacy and that, we can talk to our manufacturers and the corporate executive offices here about what we need to do, and they understand that. What we want to do with a, as we call it, our Manufacturing Express, is really to get out there to our manufacturing facilities to talk to their employees, let them understand, you know, the men and women who work in this industry, to understand what the issues are that are going to impact their jobs, what is the policy that they should be looking at the election time to pick candidates who support free trade, who support things for infrastructure, who really support protecting their jobs. And I think this is an area that we go out there, and by going to them, we've basically been doing this for several years in our Make America campaign. It's engaging, you know, the thousands of employees, or millions of employees that are in this industry. And you know what? After time, they really understand that. In addition, I think the Express will really call out the election. So as we go into various areas and various states, we'll talk to the candidates, we'll talk to people in office today and really raise the profile of the issues that we have out there. Prior to the Nevada caucus, you had some interaction with the Democratic candidates at the time for the White House. If we look now to the fall election, uh, could you identify the primary points that you want to hear candidates talk about and the things that you would hope that they would say about the best of your industry? 
first of all, they would recognize the need and the importance of this industry on manufacturing to start with, and then start to talk about the issues that really will support agriculture, support construction, support contractors and farmers. I think they need to come out with that and to give some real thoughts with, not just general statements. What are their plans that would invest in infrastructure? What are their plans to make sure that the farmers can cheaply get their uh, product to market and be competitive on a worldwide scale? How are we going to deal with issues such as tariffs and global competitiveness and free trade that will help our companies and really help the 2.8 million people we employ help them stay you know, at their jobs and in business. I think those are the issues. So it isn't just a standard phrase like, we love manufacturing. It's like, well, what policies that you put out there that are really going to help us and help this country moving forward? What have we learned about trade from the manufacturing and the work sector and how important it is for growth? Yeah, I, I think it's funny, Jeff, you mentioned that because you do always think of the two parties and, you know, one might be for free trade and the other one's against it. But I think in the end, if you get down to the to the people, to the jobs, to what it means. And I've been working in this industry for a long time, and as I, I've seen the shift in the attention of both Democrats and Republicans out there that they understand that trade and exports mean jobs, and that could be anything from agricultural goods, you know, the final products, to the equipment that we sell. And when we take them on a tour of a facility that might be in Iowa or Minnesota or Wisconsin. And they see how many people are employed there. And you start to tell them, you know, 35% of the jobs at this plant depend on exports. I think our message starts coming through for that. So before manufacturing is always treated as, you know, a stepchild to what's going on in the economy, I think uh, the politicians out there really understand that manufacturing is central to the economic health of our country. Trade deals with South Korea, uh, the USMCA approved, trade deal with Japan, phase one with China approved, uh, some progress from this administration over the past several months. What are the things now that you would hope for from the AM perspective on the trade front that would help to improve our outlook? Yeah, you know, I get frustrated with government. It's like nothing ever happens, but then you start, but you just listed there are these successes that really have happened. And it took a lot of work for our organization, our members, and their employees to get to this. But I do think, you know, looking ahead, you know, we have to now have market certainty out there. And, you know, that is so important to this. We have to know so the farmer knows where their products are going. Will there be a trade deal with China that is more long term that creates certainty with this? Can we get some of these tariffs off here? So the burden, which is really a tax on the consumer, goes away. So we're looking at more market certainty, longer-term deals with this, getting rid of the tariffs that are out there. I think especially at a time when the whole global economy is is suffering because of a pandemic, that these are the things that will help jumpstart us, I think, going forward. We have seen some phenomenal technological advances over the past several years. So my question is, is this downturn that we are experiencing now, do you think it will affect the company's investment in research? And does the downturn prevent farmers from embracing technologies that might help them be more productive or more sustainable? It's really in a downturn when you really have to be very frugal about how you spend your money, and a farmer especially with that. If the farmer looks at it and can see a, a new machine will deliver 10% more efficiency, that's when they will buy. If it's the same product again, then they're not going to make that investment. So really, downturns, to me, drive innovation. I think manufacturers focus on innovation at that time because it's their best selling point. They're always coming out with new innovative products, but at this time, they're really going to stress that. So even in a downturn, 
the manufacturers will not pull back on their innovation. And I think the farmers, if anything, they'll double down and look for innovation because they need to be more efficient if they can make money and how they can make money really in the downturn. The topic is sustainability, and it's been with an environmental groups, it's been in the halls of Congress, and it's been with commodity organizations as well. With regard to AEM, what role do you see the equipment manufacturer plays in the goal of farmer sustainability? Well, I think it's an important role for the manufacturers. There's a responsibility out there, and we all do as citizens, you know, for our children and for our grandchildren out there. I look at the manufacturers building products that, you know, will contribute to that. So not only will it be more efficient and use less fuel and all those parts of it, but also at the end of life, or does that machine cycle off the view thing? So it is a growing topic in our organization is how do we become part of the sustainability discussion? So we've already put together several committees of our members here to look at what role we play with this. So I think it's an emerging area. As we come out of this pandemic, there'll be much more discussion about how we all should be good stewards out there for, for this globe. Well, Dennis Slater, it is a difficult time, and you have an awfully busy schedule. We want to thank you for taking time out to be a part of this edition of Open Mic. Dennis, it is Open Mic, and the tradition is our guest gets the last word. Jeff, I appreciate it, first of all, that you uh, gave us some time today. I just look at it that we are in difficult times right now, but uh, I can speak on behalf of all our members and all the employees and those members that we feel confident that you know, working together, we're going to get through this. And uh, we'll be even better for it. But right now, it's let's all be safe and stay healthy. Our thanks to AEM's Dennis Slater, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly. 